Well, good evening, everybody. How's it going tonight? And for those of you who are at home, welcome as well. Thanks for tuning in uh, to the stream. My name is Lyle. Uh, I'm the worship director here. Uh, so we're just grateful to have you here at Element City Church tonight. Um, yeah, we were praying in the back, and I totally had like 10 seconds. Sorry about that. Need to get the guitar. Anywho, we just want to say, uh, if you don't have our app yet, uh, feel free to jump onto the App Store, the Google Play Store. You can search Element City Church and download that. That's a great place to be able to, to give. Uh, if you've got your tithes or your offerings, uh, you can get some playlists if you want to get uh, the music and the things that we're singing. Uh, and most importantly, if you're new, that's where you can go to get the connection card. And so uh, if you want to fill that out, that will let us get a little bit more information about you so that we can Facebook stalk you and do other creep. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We really just want to be able to uh, reach out to you, let us know uh, more, or let you know a little bit more about who we are and how you can get involved with Element City Church. So good news tonight. We've got our kids reopening. Woo. I know my mom said last week, I talk about my mom a lot because she's a great woman, everybody. So she likes to stream in. She was saying in the chat that there are some people who are excited about kids and that they were going to be coming back because that reopened. So that's great news. Uh, they're already uh, over there taking the, the babies through kindergarten, I believe. Did I get that correct? Is that what this, I heard a yes. So that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, kids reopening. Uh, and we'll continue that. We just need more volunteers. So the more volunteers that we get, the sooner we can reopen uh, and get to that next phase where we can get all the kids uh, back over there once again. So uh, we're going to pray for our Church of the Week this week. It's going to be Passion Church uh, as well. So if you want to stand with me, we're going to get ready to worship. We're going to ask the Lord to show up tonight to move uh, in power. And we're going to pray for Passion Church as well, the Church of the Week. So, Father, thanks for the work that you want to do. And we're going to be in uh, Ephesians for this whole month. And I just think about Ephesians 3, that uh, to you, Lord, be the glory and the honor in the church. And that's what we want to bring to you tonight, Lord, is glory uh, and honor. We want to praise you for all that you've done for us. And so we just ask that you would show up in power, that your Holy Spirit would move in power, uh, would speak to all of us. We want to lift up Passion Church. We want to thank you for the impact that they have here in Tucson. We ask that you would bless their pastor. You bless their leadership. You would bless uh, just the core of their church and the, the ministries that they provide to the community, Lord. Would you give them favor as they do that? Would you give them favor in their community and just new ways uh, that they can reach out to others uh, to invite people into that life-giving, life-changing relationship with you, Jesus. So we just, once again, we're excited for all you want to do and how you want to move tonight. So would you open our hearts now to receive uh, what it is that you have for us as we worship you through song, as we worship you through the word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Oh 
every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above
Miss Jesus, we just make that declaration tonight, Lord, that we want to build our lives upon you. We want to build our lives on your truth. And we'll be reading it in Ephesians 2 here in a moment, but you're the cornerstone on which this whole thing is held together. Colossians says that uh, in you all things existed. They were created uh, through you and for you. And so we just want to acknowledge that tonight, Lord, that, that you're the one who holds this church together, that we're here because of you. We are here for you, for your glory, for your purposes. So that's the, the struggle, isn't it, Lord? That you have this plan that you've laid out, you have these desires for our lives, and yet so often uh, we want to seek our own path, we want to find our own way. And so just gently tonight, Father, would you pull us back? Would you remind us of what it is that you've called us to do? Would you speak to us and make it clear to us on how you want us to move forward? On how we can be a people who carry your love, who carry your light, and your gospel to the nations. And so we just take it again, this moment to say, we're going to build our lives upon you, Lord. We're going to build our lives upon your love. We need to start there. And once we get that right, we can then go love others pretty well. It's so just in this time, God, would you give us the grace to have open eyes to see wonderful things in your word? Would you give us open ears to hear the message that Pastor Jack wants to bring to us? Lord, would you give us open hearts so that what it, what it is that we hear, that it would make its way down there. It would develop deep, lasting convictions that guide us and help us to live the life that you've called us to live. And so if you're up for it, just take a moment. Would you pray for yourself? Ask God to speak to you tonight. Ask God to move in this time. Take a moment to pray for Pastor Jack. Ask God to speak through him. Ask God to move through his message, to use this message to just illuminate truth in our lives. So Father, we love you. We trust you and what you want to do in this time. We just pray that you'd have your way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glad to, to have you here in the house, those that are with us and those that are online. Uh, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. If you have the app, you can scroll down to sermon notes and kind of follow along with us there. And we are looking into uh, an incredible chapter uh, of Scripture, one that I think is like this incredible treasure trove of theology. And uh, I'm going to kind of give us a, a, a kind of a 30,000-foot view of everything that's here. But here's my encouragement to you this week, is that you would take some time 
uh, maybe grab 10 minutes, 15 minutes, somewhere this week, and just sit with Ephesians chapter 2. And my hope is, my prayer for you, as it is for all of us when we go through this, is just that you would see Jesus a little bit more clearly, and that you would marvel at how awesome he really is. Now, I don't know if you have watched uh, like demolition shows or like those home fixer-upper shows type thing. Uh, fixer-upper is the one I usually had been watching, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and, and then they have a bunch of other ones like, you know, flip it or list it or, you know, just like get rid of it. I don't know what, uh, but they have a bunch of these different shows out there, and the reality is um, there is a day in the process that's super fun. Because the, the point of the show is literally this idea that you would kind of take something, a project, a home, and that you would demolish it in some ways, and then you would kind of bring some refurb to the whole process, and you would have a much better uh, product, a much better house, much better room, uh, kind of a makeover at the end of this deal. And, and I want you to keep that in mind as we go through Ephesians chapter 2, because in essence, Ephesians chapter 2 is Jesus saying, I got some stuff to do. And I'm going to make it better because that's the reality of what's happening. So I don't know if you've ever had uh, anyone ever done some demolition at their house. That's the fun part. It's like when you're taking a sledgehammer, just smashing walls, and you're having fun. It's like, you know, a kid in a candy store. Super fun. The hard part is actually, you know, rebuilding it and refurbing and doing all that. That's the hard part. The fun part is just demolishing things. And I haven't got to do that at our house yet, but we haven't had the opportunity to get down to like New Mexico and work with some churches there, and we're breaking down walls. And the reality is that's part of the joy of what you get to do. And that's really kind of what Ephesians chapter 2 is pointing to, this incredible opportunity of what Jesus is up to. In fact, I'm going to summarize Ephesians chapter 2, the whole, you can do it in two verses, or two and a half kind of verses, okay? So if you have a pen, here's what I want you to do. Find verse 4 and 5, and then find verse 13, and here's what I want you to do. It's important when you're reading through Scripture that when you see the word but, uh, this is a total junior high joke, uh, God's butt is big, and it's important, okay? So this idea that when you see it, circle it, because what's happening right after that is, okay, here's how things were, but God is doing something better. And he's up to some things. And so here's what I want you to circle. In verse 4, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he's not limited, he's rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, in our sin, in our brokenness. We were separated. We were dead. We weren't just wounded. We were dead. And yet by his grace, we've been saved. We've been made alive. That's the point. The whole first three verses, this idea that you and I didn't have a way of getting right with God. We couldn't figure out a way to get right with God. There wasn't enough good things that you could go do that would change your status and update that in a way that would take you to have a right relationship with God. He needed to go to work, and so he did. We were dead. We were separated from him, but... Jesus went to work, and he made a way for us to have a right relationship with the holy and perfect God. And then you skip down to verse 13, and it lists this whole idea of this hostility and the separations between Gentiles and Jews, and the separation and the walls that were there. But now, it says, so circle that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, kind of far off from having a right relationship with God or opportunity to have a right relationship with others as well, that because of the blood of Christ, you've been brought near 
And, and so these two verses are the key to the whole chapter of chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians. And it, uh, Paul is kind of laying out this reality that in verses 1 through 10, he's saying Jesus is awesome, and he took care of the right relationship you and I needed to have with God. And it's not based on your merit. It's not based on how good you are. It's not based on what you try to do. It's on what Jesus did. If you trust in him, he can make you have a right relationship with God. And then it gets even better. In verses 11 through the end, he's talking about, hey, you know how this whole world seeks to divide and seeks to separate? Uh, Jesus took care of that as well. And that he actually not only dealt with our vertical relationship with God, he deals with our horizontal relationships one to another. And he brings a cohesiveness and an adhesiveness to our relationships that helps us overcome even the things that typically would separate us or would divide us. That Jesus deals with it all. He heals it all. Jesus is a big deal. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Spend some time in it this week and marvel again at the beauty of what Jesus is up to. So I want to look, starting in verse 14, and kind of unpack a little bit of this demolition. It's kind of like this divine demolition and renovation project that Jesus does. It's not a home improvement. It's a life improvement. And it's actually way bigger than that. You can't really dumb it down to that or summarize it in that. It's so much bigger what Jesus is up to. And here's what it says, verse 14, what the Apostle Paul writes. For he himself, who's the he? Well, that's Jesus. He's speaking of him. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What's this hostility that he's speaking about? Well, to understand, you have to understand that before Christ's coming, Gentiles and Jews kept apart from one another. They didn't like each other. Uh, Jews really wanted to be just with their own kind, and Gentiles as everybody else who wasn't Jewish. And there was this separation from them that considered, uh, Jews considered Gentiles beyond God's saving power, and therefore they didn't have hope. And Gentiles resented Jewish people as kind of their claim of superiority and, and said, okay, you think you're too high and mighty and too separate. And so there was a division that existed between them, and Christ revealed the total sinfulness of both. And that's the reality that he's bringing to the forefront that Jews and Gentiles, that everyone has had and created these dividing walls between them, and that Jesus shows up and says, listen, you're both wrong. You're both have dealt into this separation, and only Christ will break down the walls of prejudice or preference and reconcile believers underneath himself and himself alone. The problem is the dividing wall. And here's the truth in our culture. We build them, don't we? Tuesday's coming. You know that, right? Uh, just in case you forgot what was happening. And the reality is there's dividedness even in here on where you land and where you sit on things. And so we as a humanity are very good at creating walls and separating us from other people, aren't we? If we're just honest. And that we have an us versus them mentality at times. And what we understand is that that was playing out for all of humanity. And it was playing out long before just you and I showed up and experienced it. We experienced it in ways. We'll, we'll talk about that. But it was experiencing even back then. And even if you go back, it, Paul's really kind of referring back to the Jewish temple. And if you were to understand the Jewish temple, I don't know if we have a picture of that, but this Jewish temple is set up, and there's like four different courts 
of where you could go. And what Paul is alluding to is here, there's some separations that happens. The outer court was the, the, uh, the court of the Gentiles. That's where they could go. They couldn't go in any further. The next court was the court of women, and Jewish women could go into there. Jewish men could go into the court of Israelites. That's where they could go. And even further into that, the court of the priest, and that's where they could go. And only one time a year could the high priest go into the Holy of Holies, kind of the inner room of the whole entire temple. And only one time a year the high priest, after bathing several times, would then be able to go in and represent the people and ask God the forgiveness of their sins, pour the blood sacrifice over the mercy seat on the ark. And they were there, but they would tie a rope to his ankle because if he did something wrong and died in there, no one could go get him. And so, like, talk about separation of all places. In fact, in 1871, archaeologists actually found the dividing wall and an inscription that was written on it. The court of the Gentiles. What was written on that before you could go into the court of the Israelite women of where they could go, was, it was said this, Do not proceed any further for fear of death. That was inscribed on the wall. Meaning, this is the separation point. This is the dividing wall. You are allowed here, but you are not allowed in here. And what we have to understand is that that was the reality of what took place. And then Jesus shows up, and he does some amazing things. And he changes everything, not just the dividing amongst people, but the division that was between God and people. Between us and God himself, that you remember when Jesus died, that the temple uh, curtain was ripped from top to bottom. The separation that was separated, the Holy of Holies, where the high priest could go one time a year, and only one time a year, that whole entire curtain that was 60 feet high was ripped from top to bottom, symbolizing this reality that what Jesus did on the cross now takes the place, and the separation no longer exists. That you and I are welcomed in to the very presence of God, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did and because of what he accomplished, that we're invited into relationship with him, that that curtain was separated. That's verses 1 through 10 of all of what Ephesians chapter 2 is getting at. Hey, there was a separation between a holy, perfect God and you, and Jesus made a way for that separation to go away. He took out the sledgehammer and demolished the wall that separated and that's the beautiful thing. That's the reality of what Jesus is up to. And then, now he's going to also demolish the wall that separates one another. See, one of the greatest tragedies in American church history is that some of our deepest stains in the history of our country, in the history of the church history, is that we have often tried to resurrect walls that Jesus tore down. And we've tried to build them back up. That's the stains. And Jesus is saying, no, I've come to do this divine demolition. And it's a renovation project as well, but it's this divine demolition of dividing walls and the hostility that separates us. In my body is this peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one, has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. That that doesn't have to mark our lives anymore. That we, he has destroyed these barriers that separate and divide, making peace between the two groups. This in turn made a way for us to have not only peace with us and God, 
but begin to experience more and more peace one to another. That those who believed in Christ were made new. Paul talks elsewhere that we're a new creation. He's going to get to that later on in in chapter 2 as well. That Christ becomes the glue and the bonding agent that holds all believers together. Despite the things that might seek to divide us. How many of you have preferences in life? Yeah, that's everybody, right? How many of you have different opinions than the people maybe even in your own household? How many of you definitely have different opinions than the people you share office space with? Or at least, you know, like a Zoom room with now? Right. Like, we have differences all around us. And differences aren't necessarily bad or evil. They can be. But they can really just be preference differences. They can be a tendency difference that we have. It can be a character difference in that. But Christianity is always trying to help promote this idea that we have something that unifies us over all of those preferences and over all of those opinions. We can have opinions, and we can have differing opinions. But there's a unifying factor in Jesus that's supposed to supersede all of that. See, we live in a culture that typically wants to divide us into us versus them, right? Uh, just a little exercise for that. And us versus them, it's this way. No, 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 it's this way. No, 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 it's this way. Anyone maybe seen commercials around this in the last few weeks, right? I am excited for Wednesday because I think the commercials stop then. But don't raise your hands. Just raise your eyebrows when I list this off. Some divisions that might exist in this room. Pepsi or Coke? Just raise your eyebrow. Pepsis? Eyebrows? Coke? Okay. Uh, U of A versus ASU. Raising your eyebrows, U of A. Jesus would approve. Okay. Um, ASU, we will pray for you. Um, <clears throat> Chevy, Ford, maybe you're raising your eyebrows for Chevy, maybe for Ford. Uh, Starbucks or Dutch Bros? Some differences. Republican, Democrat. Like we can, do, we can have these eyebrows raised, right? And we reality is we know there's division that exists. It's true. It's reality. And yet what we're called to as followers of Jesus is to an adhesiveness to one another that goes beyond that. That what Jesus accomplished in his life and his death and his resurrection was a demolishing of the walls that would typically divide us and they would separate us. And he said, no, no, I want to unify us. And that doesn't mean uniformity. That doesn't mean, that's unity. That's not the idea of uniformity, that everyone's the same. That's not what Jesus is really talking about. That's not even what Paul's talking about here. But he's talking about a unity that supersedes everything else in culture and society that would want to separate and divide. And that Jesus accomplished something through his life and his death and his resurrection, and in little ways and in big ways. We typically seek to build walls that separate and divide. And yet Jesus is continually demolishing those. Here's the truth. Peace cannot be experienced between us when there is a wall that separates us. We cannot have peace in our relationship between us when there's a wall that's separating us and that we've built that and we've labeled you this and you've labeled me this and and we just create this division. 
Can we have different opinions? Yes. Can we have different preferences? Yes. Can we see things differently? Yes. But overall, as followers of Jesus, we're called to have a unity that puts something different on display, that Christianity really is the only religion in the world that can truly be described as an equal opportunity faith. That all Christians stand on level ground at the cross. That we're all level there. Young, old, male, female, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Latino, educated, uneducated, any and every nation, color, and creed. We are all sinners in need of a rescue from a Savior. That's the hope we find in the gospel, is that Jesus says, my, my grace is enough. And it's enough to meet you even in the midst of division or divisiveness or separation. Now, see, the scriptures don't declare that there was an in-group and an out-group. The scriptures declare that there was an out-group. Everybody's out. Nobody's in. Except when a Savior shows up. And says, now through my grace, through faith in me, you are welcomed in. And not because you deserved it, but because I'm a, it's a gift to you. That's what he says in verse 8, 9, and 10, right? That this salvation is a gift to you. It's this blessing that's been given to you. Christ comes along and abolishes the barriers. And so the question for us to wrestle with is for ourselves and for our church. Are there barriers? that we have set up? Are there barriers that exist even in my own heart? And we each have to wrestle with that. Barriers based on race or gender, economics or status or anything else that intuitively in me begins to try to separate me from you or you from me. And if that exists, then into that moment we need to step and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for building walls where you have come to demolish them and you have come to renovate and to do something different. Why? Because Jesus didn't come just to demolish things. He came to renovate something new. That's the whole rest of chapter two, that what Christ has done, he's done a demolition work through the cross, but he's also doing a renovation work Verse 15, here's what he says. For in himself, he is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law, which is commands and regulations, meaning Jesus fulfilled what we could never fulfill. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus bringing, making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. The things that would divide, Jesus said, I, I dealt with that at the cross. Now I want to unify. And that doesn't mean uniformity, and it doesn't mean sameness, but it means unity. And that unity trumps everything. That unity moves us forward. That unity holds us. It's the adhesive that holds us together despite our differences. And the whole rest of this chapter and on into the beginning of chapter 3 is, is Paul describing, here's what Jesus has done. Not only making us opportunity to have a right relationship with God, but now to have a relationship that's unified and that experiences unity one to another. A, a dream of one new man or one new mankind or humanity 
is what Paul's talking about. So let's uh, geek out here a little bit. Uh, there's two predominant words for the word new uh, in the New Testament that we see. Neos and kanos. Neos speaks of something that's new as it relates to time, meaning like the newest edition. Okay, so uh, if the latest Ford F-150 comes off the line, that's the Neos. That's the newest edition of that, the 2021 edition, right? Uh, we know Ford F-150 has been around for a long time. But the Neos is this idea of the new edition of that, or the latest MacBook Pro, or the latest uh, Samsung phone, or the latest 747 coming off the assembly line. But Paul doesn't use Neos here. He uses the word kanos, kanos, this idea of which speaking of something brand new as it relates to kind, that this total new invention, something unprecedented, something new and something fresh, kanos, this idea of something new. Jesus is saying, I've come to establish something new that's unlike anything you've seen where rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, male and female, they'll actually be unified. That's the drop mic moment, right? That's what Jesus is saying. I've come to establish something new, and Paul is pointing that out. When Paul says Christ died to create one new man or mankind or humanity, it's a coming together of Jew and Gentile, ones that used to be diametrically opposed to one another now have something that unifies them. That they may still have differences, but they don't let those differences divide them any longer. What, what a world we would have if we could figure that out. If the church can lead in that. See, in other words, Christ died to create something the world had never seen before. Jew and Gentile, people who hated one another, coming together, doing life with one another, sharing meals together, worshiping together, being pulled together in unity, even when there looked like things that should separate them. This was a new paradigm, and that is what Paul is saying. Verses 1 through 10, here's a whole new paradigm. You couldn't have a right relationship with God, but Jesus made a way. You're going to always struggle with division and separation, but Jesus made a way that his adhesiveness of his relationship with you would help you overcome the divisions and the separations that exist. In a world that deals with so much hostility, we need some divine demolition and renovation that only Jesus Christ brings, friends. And that's the hope of this church. That's the hope of this city. That's the hope of your life and my life. That's the hope of this church. And the movement that we're a part of is that's what we speak about. The world speaks about what separates us. Let's speak and promote and model what unifies us and brings us together. See, when the gospel gets a hold of your heart and it begins to create a longing to love and embrace people who are different than you because they are siblings of God with you, your siblings, even though you may have different preferences, different opinions, differences of how you see things. The gospel of love of Jesus and Jesus alone can tear down the walls that begin to separate us. And Jesus builds his church there. And we get to be a part of what building what a watching world desperately longs to see, 
but struggles to find anywhere else. That there's so much division. I love what Rich Velada said this in his new book. He said, the cross is not just a bridge that gets us to God. It's a sledgehammer that breaks down the hostile walls that separate us. That's what Jesus is doing. Do you want to join him? That's the question. That's what he's up to of breaking down those walls. The cross is where we take our cues. It's the sledgehammer that swings away at the walls that separate us and divide us because the ground is always level at the cross. No one is higher or lower there. We're all equal and equally in need of the grace that he alone provides. That's the place where we're welcomed and given a unifying grace. Jesus is the unifier. And that doesn't mean, again, that we have uniformity or sameness, but it does mean that who brings us together is always stronger than what might distinguish us and pull us to be separate. That who brings us together is always stronger than what may seek to separate or divide based on preference or all those things. That we are united together through Christ and to put God's powerful grace on display in a divided world. Our world, if we're just honest, they see dividing walls. They seek to create dividing walls. They seek to create separation everywhere and anywhere they can. What if the church modeled something different? Because that's what Jesus is calling us to. Listen, it's so easy to build walls, isn't it? It's so easy to build up separation. Well, you're that way, then you're over there and I'm over here. It, that's the easy road. The challenging road is to say, Jesus, would you help us overcome our differences through your grace and your power and to put that on display. See, when what unifies us, Jesus, is not stronger than what separates us, like preferences or differing opinions, then God may very well break out his sledgehammer to do some divine demolition and restorative renovation and to do that work within us. Because that's his dream. And that's what he's calling us to be a part of. We have a unifying Savior that ties us together to seek unity and common good and the flourishing of the community that we're a part of. And we've been fashioned into something new. It's a kanos. This idea of something new and distinct and different. We are each equipped to play a part in that. We each have a role, a contribution to make in that. In the assembling of this new community called the church. That's the movement that you're a part of. If you're here and you just came because someone invited you, man, I think it's awesome that you're here. If you're tuning in uh, because someone invited you to, I think it's awesome that you're checking it out. And our hope as a church is that you would maybe begin to put some roots down relationally with this group of people and begin to walk out life of what does it mean to follow after this guy, Jesus, and to get to know him more and, and to maybe have your life turn a little bit more in his direction because he is amazing. And he's our leader of who we're to follow and what we're to be after. And so why should I make a contribution? Why should we make an effort to be a part of the church? You know, if the church, is, it's hard in COVID. It's easier just to check out. Why should we make a, a part and an effort and a contribution into that? Because it matters. It matters for your growth and development, and it matters for my growth and development. Why? Because it's easy to build walls. 
But when Jesus demolishes some of those, then sometimes it's the work that he's going to do in our relationship that's going to chip away some of the things that are holding me back. And maybe chip away at some of the things that are holding you back from being who Jesus wants you to be. It's in the church, and it's in that establishment of the church where God's power is most acutely active. The life of faith, of following after Jesus, was never designed to be a Lone Ranger kind of faith or a solo journey. There's moments of that. There's opportunity and seasons for that. There's adventures in that where it's just you and Jesus going on an adventure and expedition together. That's awesome. Do that. But you were never designed, we were never created as the church to be a bunch of silos and individual things doing. We were meant and created. That's what Paul's talking about. This is something kenos. This is something new that would put on display to a watching world that is living in a whole culture of separation and division to say, how do those people get along? Well, they do it because of this guy, Jesus. Like, and there's obviously rough patches, and there's obviously moments, but it, it seems like they have this unifying vision, this unifying force of Jesus that holds them together despite the things that, that may be preferences or differences that, that push them aside. And so here's the questions to pray about and into this week. How can you be a part of the work of the gospel in some divine demolition and renovation? What might that look like? How, God, how might God want to leverage your life to be a part of some of the gospel demolition and renovation in the world around you? What might that look like? How could you take a next step in that? How can you be a part of what God is building and creating in his church? What would it look like to begin to put down some roots and invest and be a part of that and a part of what God is creating, something new? That's what we get to be a part of. Ephesians chapter 2. Some of Jesus' incredible best work. That's what Paul's highlighting. Here's some demolition that Jesus did. He made a way for us to get to God. He made a way for us to work at us and the things that divide us. And it's through his grace that both can happen. And so as we move into this last song, I just want to invite you right where you're at to really consider those questions. What might it look like? for you to take a next step in being a part of the, the demolition and renovation work that Jesus wants to do through his gospel in your neck of the woods, in your relationships, in your sphere of influence, in the people that you live life around. What might it look like to be a, a person who is brought to say, Look, I, I want to be a part of bringing unity and, and seeing Jesus do something incredible here? And what might it look like for you to invest into your church and to be a part of what the church is doing and how the church can model something different than what the world shouts, this is the only way? What if we just focused on the way of Jesus, which always seems to be a little bit different than what the world shouts about? And so, Father, that's what we pray for, that in this next song, Jesus, would you just rally us to you? 
that you're the adhesive grace that holds us together, young, old, male, female, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, struggling, succeeding. In all ways, Jesus, you're the one who holds us together. And may what you do always be stronger than the divisions or the separations that we inherently want to create. And so as we sing this song, Jesus, would you move our hearts to begin to dream and to think, what does it look like to be a part of a church that models something different than what the culture screams, this is the only way it is, and you gotta choose? And we choose the way of Jesus. So Jesus, in your name, I pray, would you help us to understand how to do that more, how to model that more, how to pray for that more, how to do what we know we can do to, to, to live that out more. Jesus, we worship you. You're the one who made a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. You're the way, and you're the one who makes a way for us to have a relationship one to another, even when there's differences. Would you build unity? Would you strengthen us, we pray. Okay.
Ephesians chapter 2. I invite you to, to sit with it this week. Let it do some demolition and renovation work in your own heart. That what Jesus wants to do in you and through you. If you're here and you've maybe been on your own spiritual journey, you've never said yes to Jesus. And Paul makes it so clear here. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast about it. It's a gift from God. If you've never made that a declaration of just receiving that gift, I invite you to tonight your night. And so if you're here in the house or online, uh, let our host know online. If you're like, man, I, I, think I, need to, I think I need to follow Jesus. I don't even know what that looks like. We'll help you. <laughs> we'll walk with you. It's just a relationship. If you're here, just come see me. We'd love to celebrate with you and help you in those next steps of faith. But I just invite you to consider that. I invite you to consider that in a divisive world, in a world 
that wants to push separation and labels and us versus them. Jesus is a different way and we need more of him. And that means us saying we know, we know the way that's different. And it's living that out the best you know how in the sphere of influence that you have and us doing that together as a church. And so even tonight I'm asking, would you commit? I want to do more of that. And to say yes in your heart. want to invite you to a couple different things. Just, uh, again, say thank you to all of you who financially partner with Element City Church, and, and uh, you can do that in a host of ways. We don't pass an offering plate. We've got boxes in the back. You can give through the app or online. Um, that's how 80-plus percent of people do, and it just allows us to do good in this world, to, to turn the lights on, to have a service, to make a difference. And one of those ways we do that is through our second Saturday food distribution. Uh, it is so easy to volunteer, be a part of. I want to invite you, especially if you've never been a part of it, there's two ways that you can help with it. The second Friday, we meet at Caring Ministries and we pack all the boxes. Because COVID, we, uh, we don't do shopping anymore. We have to pre-box everything. And so on that second Friday, we meet from like 9 to 10, pack them all. And then the second Saturday, which happens to be the day after second Friday. I don't know if you put that together, but yeah. Uh, like the very next day. Uh, so not this weekend, but the following weekend. That Friday, that Saturday, we meet at the school. Uh, Catalina High School, and then also here on campus, we distribute all those boxes out. And I'm just inviting you, if you're a part of that, you call Elements Home, would you help us take that to another level of just when you hand out a food box, would you just ask people how they're doing and how can we pray for them and take 30 seconds and literally just pray for them, um, that we would do that more. And so if you've never been a part of that, it's an easy on-ramp to volunteer around here, be a part of that. Uh, there's other teams that you can volunteer, be a part of. We're always trying to raise up new teams. We're in the midst of trying to rebuild our safety team and uh, obviously a whole bunch of other teams as well, but our connection team, people who are greeting and welcoming with masks and keeping physical distance and all that stuff. But we would love, if you're interested in that, talk to Lyle, myself, to Matt, to Jen, anybody. Uh, we'll help connect with you, Amy, in the foyer. Um, and then I'd like to just pray tonight uh, as we close. Uh, invite you back next week online or in person. I'd like to just pray over this week ahead. Uh, would that be all right? Um, so God, we love you. And we thank you for Jesus, that he is the unifier. And God, we live in a culture, in, in a world, in a society right now that is, if we're just honest, really divisive. And there's a host of reasons. There's a host of good things that we think of why we're better than so-and-so or so-and-so is better than them. And, and God, nothing highlights that like our election on Tuesday. God, I thank you for the grace that you've given our country. We pray that you continue to give your grace and your favor upon us, not because we deserve it, because we don't, but simply because you love us, you care about us. And so we do pray over this election. We ask 
that you would raise up the administration that needs to lead, the policies that need to be. Would you help us to be active, civil, um, a part of this process of helping lead uh, change and hope for those who are marginalized and those who are succeeding and everyone in between? Father, would you help us as the church to model? Maybe it's not just one camp or the other. Maybe there is this way of Jesus that seems to to cut a new path. And we want to be on that journey. And so, Jesus, we're giving you permission to lead us that way. And would you help us to be people of influence in the world around us, to show that you are a unifying reality that can supersede anything that may try to divide us. And may your church shine that hope and that grace that you give us in a way and in a brilliance that would be attractive to a watching world to see. Would you go with us this week individually? Would you help us to experience you more, Jesus, this week? Would you help us to put you on display in the way we live, in the way we talk, in the way that we react? Would you bring us safely back together? next week together. We pray your blessing over all of our e-kids that were here tonight, those that are going to be coming back into rotation. We pray your blessing over each family. That's a part of Elements we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We'll see you next week in person or online. Thanks for being here.